Hey friends, Justine here. Before we begin, I do want to put a trigger warning. We do talk about topics such as suicide attempts and self-harm. So if this is something that may be triggering to you, I recommend listening to another episode of Mentally a Badass. Hi, I'm Justine and I'm here to tell you being mentally ill isn't the end of the world. I know what it's like to live with a mental illness. It's hard. You're constantly trying to hide your struggles from others and you feel like you're weaker than others because of your illness, but that's not true. So many badasses struggle with mental illnesses, but they don't talk about them because they're afraid of being judged or thought of as weak-minded. Well, guess what? They're not. We can change that by talking openly about our struggles and sharing our stories with each other in a positive light. This is why I created Mentally a Badass, so we can come together as badasses who are also mentally ill or who has had it rough in life and share our stories with one another in a safe place that celebrates our strengths rather than shames our weaknesses. I hope this podcast helps you feel less alone in this crazy life of ours, and I hope it makes your life just a little bit better. In today's episode, we interview Megan, who is a TikTok mental health influencer. She accumulated 20,000 followers from being vulnerable about her mental health. We'll be talking about her medication journey, psychiatric experiences, how she copes with bipolar 2, and so much more. Enjoy! Hey everybody, welcome back to Mentally a Badass. My name is Justine, and today I have a wonderful person that I found on my for you page on TikTok. Her name is Megan. And I didn't memorize her handle because I'm such a great host. So <laughs> of course, it's going to be in the description. But um, I'm going to have her spell it out because she's obviously the one who knows it better than me. So first, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Mentally About Us, Megan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Super excited to be here. Yes. Um, <laughs> So my handle is, there's really no way to say it, um, but it's spelled out M-M-X-E-E-X-G-G. Love that. I think you're, is your Instagram, I think, similar, right? Or kind of? Yeah. Okay, cool. The Instagram is the same. It might be 133, but if you type in the M-M-X, it always pops up. Gotcha. How long have you been on TikTok? Um, I started my TikTok in like 2019 and oh. then, um, I really started getting followers about like a year ago. So, you know, in every mentally a badass episode, we, uh, dive into the past. So um, let's do a little, uh, background overview. So, uh, Megan is diagnosed with bipolar two. I found her very intriguing when I saw her, um, videos on my for you, uh, for you page when she would talk about medication. Um, I don't, I feel like it wasn't talked, uh, it's not talked about as much. So that's why she caught my eye and I just like, Oh, I want to chat with her. I want to talk to her about this particular topic. But before we get into that, let's just have a little overview of who Megan is. So, Let's talk a little bit like about your childhood of your upbringing that you feel that contributed to your diagnosis. So if we want to just talk like, is there a particular event that happened that was like, okay, I need to, I need to find help. Like, are you, are you able to open up a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So a little bit about me and where I came from. I grew up in a little town, um, in central New York, um, I did come from a broken family. My parents divorced when I was about three years old. Um, they didn't really get along too, too well at all. Um, so there was a lot of conflict in the house, always, always back and forth. Um, I never really stayed in one place for long. Um, so that's kind of the dynamic of my childhood. I was a very quiet kid, but I was also a very talkative kid at the same time so like around my close click that I'd have like my mom my dad my brothers I would never shut up but every time you put me in a social situation I was quiet I had struggled to make friends um I just always felt like different than everyone else and it was really difficult for me to make friends and actually keep the friends mm -hmm. um what else I really struggled with anxiety and depression starting around like age 10. And then it started to get 
really bad. And I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder and severe anxiety when I was 13. Um, and then kind of from there, things just got worse. Um, never really like found myself was just super confused, never felt right in my body. And that was all because I was just incorrectly diagnosed. So yeah, I was actually going to bring that up. So I was going to ask if you were diagnosed with anything else before you were diagnosed with bipolar two. Um, also, before we got into this conversation today, I was doing a little bit more watching a lot more of your videos. And then one video that like kind of like, you know, touched me a little bit, I'm probably going to like, do it myself as well. It was um, if I if I did my attempt and I wouldn't then I wouldn't have like had like these moments. Mm -hmm. And I looked at that. I'm like, oh, and it, it's just it really opens because at the time when you are feeling like, you know, I don't want to be on this world. Like I feel like moments of feeling worthless and such. It, it's like a cloud that you can't really see what could be in the future. Um, are you do you want to talk a little bit about that moment of the attempt if you don't want to that's fine but if yeah. you're willing to be open about it of course um so there was more than one attempt not gonna lie mm -hmm. um I attempted five times four times were gonna be overdoses um and then the fifth time the most severe one that like it we were we were done for mm -hmm. um I wrote a journal saying goodbye to every single person in my family. I had a date picked, like I was going to come home from school. No one was going to be home. I had a playlist that my family would like hear when they found me, I guess. I don't know. It was literally just a piano song that was really mm -hmm. important to me. Mm -hmm. um, so then my mom found that journal and I was hospitalized for two weeks. No, a week. It, yeah, it was like a, a week-ish. Yeah, she was um, like a week, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't think it was two weeks. I. It may have felt like two weeks. That's always possible. It, it definitely did feel like two weeks. It felt like I was in there for a while. Um, so then I was put in the hospital and I was like, I just started realizing like, maybe my life is worth living. And mm -hmm. that was the last attempt we've ever had. And that was in 2017. Yeah, I was actually going to ask when that was. How, um, how old are you now? I'm 23. 23. So that was how many years ago? So you were still like a teenager? Five. Yeah, I was 17. Yeah, 17. I feel like, I mean, I, I never like attempted, but you still like self-harm. And like, mm -hmm. that's like when I got caught, like my mom like found the stuff if you, <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean um oh but, i definitely know how that feels yeah yeah actually i, I want to ask you a question do you know this song it's called pray and it's by Jaden. he was originally like known as tiktok but now he's like a he earned the title of like a uh, music artist do you by any chance know that song i don't think so it's really good um the reason it's really good is because it's very powerful so at the time when people want to you know i mean you've been in the position mm -hmm. they think like they don't think of how i mean i'm not i'm trying to wear this properly where i'm not i'm not i'm never gonna say that people who want to attempt are selfish because that's not true um mm -hmm. my point is what i'm saying is the music video that he had was basically showing how well it didn't show him like actually doing it but like basically he died and then he was a ghost at his own funeral and it mm -hmm. shows in the music video like how his family like reacted to it so like his basically his whole family like like fell apart like his parents of course were obviously hurt at the funeral but then after that and they started fighting and then they divorced and it was like yeah so it was such a great storyline and then he was like seeing it all as a ghost and he got so angry at himself which is interesting how like a ghost can have emotions <laughs> yeah so, wow that's yeah, powerful he was so angry and then he was like so mad himself like oh i want to take it all back and like it, it's like it's like there's no word obviously it was just a song over it there was no like actual words in the scene but it's like you didn't need it like you just put all the emotions and i was like it really made me think like that and that imagine imagine doing that and then you do see and then you just you can't go back 
Mm-hmm. So it's just like, yeah, I just really like changed my whole perspective. And I felt like that it was such a powerful video and it probably saved like thousands and thousands of people, maybe who were at the point when they were like, okay, I'm going to make the decision. I'm going to go and I'm, I'm done for, you know, with this world and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You should just listen. It's really good. It's one of his older songs, but I'm like, I still listen to it. And I just still like, like, you know, what? I'm not like sad. I just feel like it's just a yep. good song to listen to. Um, oh, I'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um. So at the time before you did the attempt, you were just were you just diagnosed with like anxiety and and depression? Mm-hmm. They also, um, they didn't really diagnose me with borderline personality disorder, but they said I had borderline personality disorder tendencies. Um, so I was like, kind of borderline, kind of not. They never no, like, like actually happened to me too. Yeah. Like they never formally diagnosed me with it, but they're like, yeah, you're a touch of borderline. I was like, okay and so because <laughs> I didn't really know much about it so I went home and yeah. researched yeah. it and like yeah. I do meet, I met most all of the criteria for it they just never mm-hmm. like formally diagnosed me with it yeah um yeah that literally happened to me too exactly like I yep. just went to a psychiatrist I didn't, I wasn't hospitalized I was just in a psychiatrist and then he was like well I know you're definitely bipolar and I think maybe BPD like it was kind of like a mm-hmm. You know, but then now we have like TikTok where it's like, I mean, I'm not going to like be like, oh, TikTok's diagnosing me, obviously. But it's like, you know, when you watch these videos of people from different parts of the world or whatever, and I'm like, wow, like, and then we look at the comment section. Oh, the comments. The comment section. And I'm like, oh, okay, so we're all in the same boat here. Mm hmm. And. That's just like why I just love TikTok so much. So honestly, hope the government doesn't take it away. But anyway, I was I was just gonna say one of the biggest reasons why I use TikTok as a platform to just advocate for bipolar, advocate for mental health, is because of the comments. Like it's a really good reminder for me. Like if I'm going through something and I'll post about it and someone else will comment, be like, Oh my goodness. I, I've always felt so alone in this. I'm so glad. And it like, it makes me feel good because it reminds me I'm not alone in this. There's other people that are going through what I'm going through. Um, so it really is just that reassurance. Do you ever get really ever alone? Of course. Do you ever get people like kind of like sliding into your DMS, like wanting to just talk Mm -hmm. all the time? It's such a good feeling, right? It it really is. I had this one woman reach out to me. She's not bipolar, but her daughter's bipolar. And she was just telling me this, like, their story and how they're managing and, like, what suggestions I have to, like, cope with the diagnosis and, like, accept the diagnosis and how to manage it. And it was it's just really good to be able to use my experience to help someone else. Yeah, and this is another reason why I bring you on the podcast is because I wanted you to be able to give that information a longer form content. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was like, I feel like she has a lot to say. And TikTok is only go up to three minutes. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's why in every like, video that I'll do, like I'll respond to a comment, like explaining something. It's always at like, almost the three minute mark and i'm like i didn't even touch on everything exactly because there's so much to talk about and that's like why i created like this podcast so when i you know what originally started this podcast it was originally just supposed to be just solo episodes of just me talking about my stuff but mm-hmm. then but then people asked to be on the podcast and want to tell their story i love that and then i was getting more and more and i realized like after a year i was like oh wow like everything is like all interviews and i was like at this point i'm like okay this podcast is just gonna be it's gonna be focused on bringing people from different backgrounds Mm. because um i believe you know stressor is is like the biggest trigger with someone who has bipolar yeah i talk about that a lot so i was like i would love to talk with you and like how you do like your daily life just so you know to avoid like having episodes and such mm-hmm. but um before we get into that let's talk about medication so when was the first time you were put on medication um i was 13 
Um, I was put on, what is it? The only thing, um, Zoloft. I was put on Zoloft um, and that did not go well mm-hmm. at all. Um, so we played a bunch of different guessing games of what antidepressant is going to work for Megan. But none of them were ever successful mm-hmm. <laughs> because antidepressants and bipolar do not get along. Right. Um, so I started off on Zoloft and then I went to Lexapro. Lexapro is the second one. I so I started like, on. I feel like I was on that for like a second. Mm-hmm. I started with Zoloft and then I went to Lexapro. And then I went to Prozac. That's for anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So they tried. It's an antidepressant, but it also does it does help anxiety a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were all ones that I was on in high school. Uh, the sertraline kind of worked in high school. The um, Zoloft. That was the most successful one that I had in high school. Um, And then I was also on like Trazodone for sleep and then Buspar for anxiety. Um, But it was, I want to say, it was either right before I went to college or right as I was starting college that I stopped all of my antidepressants Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to be the type of girl to have to take medications in college like I was getting out of my toxic home and -hmm. just hometown Mm -hmm. that I didn't feel like I would need meds anymore because I was going to be in a new environment and everything was going to be fine Mm -hmm. um that was not the case (laughs) (laughs) so I was not on medications for two years um, year, like half of the first year was fine. And then I was a hormonal mess and just a disaster for the rest of it. So it was about April of 2020 that I went back to the doctors. I'm like, my anxiety is so out of control. I'm suicidal. I am, I can't get myself out of bed half the day is like, I need something. That is when they put me back on buspirone and back on sertraline because that's what worked at the time, Mm -hmm. Um, which those just made me want to yeet myself off the face of the planet even even more. Mm. Um, So we stopped those and that is when they started me on a no. They stopped the the. Zoloft again, the sertraline, and they put me on what's want to say Lamictal, but it's not Lamictal. It's um Wellbutrin. So I was on that. On, yep. They put me on Wellbutrin and <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. They put me on Wellbutrin and I went completely hypomanic for the first time. Really? Um, yes. And that was right after my first breakup. Um, we were together for three years and I was upset about the relationship for about two months or for two days. And then I woke up one morning and I just felt like I was completely on top of the world. My therapist noticed it, um, and was like, what is going on? And I was seeing my therapist twice a week at this point. So some days I'd come in literally talking so fast I was telling her stories of how impulsive I was. And she's like, you're bipolar. And so I was like, what? Mm. Like, no, everyone in my family is bipolar. I'm not bipolar. Like, I'm just going through a tough time. So I really stuck with that for a while because I wanted to be different than the rest of my family. Right. And so... I listened to my therapist and I went back to the doctor and I told her what has been going on and how impulsive I have been being and how I literally have just been going, going, going for the past two months. And so 
she diagnosed me with bipolar two and we started Abilify. Mm -hmm. I was on Abilify for about eight months just by itself, Mm -hmm. but it got to the point that I was just so completely numb that I could not feel anything. It came, it was to the point I couldn't cry and I really needed to cry, but literally tears could just not form in my tear ducts. Like it was impossible. Um, so I told my doctor I'm completely numb. Like even my Nana and my pa- and my Papa passed away 43 days apart, one in February, one in March. And I did not cry. I still honestly have not processed their death, but I felt nothing. Like I was so numb. So I told my psychiatrist that, and I was like, something needs to change. Mm-hmm. So we stopped the Abilify and we started Lamictal. Lamictal had the reverse effect and I was so suicidal again. And I was like, I can't do this either. I had no sex drive. I was depressed. I couldn't get out of bed. Like it was just controlling my life at that point with just the Lamictal. So then I was like, I'd rather be numb and be able to function than be depressed. So we went back on the Abilify, but in, in that time, my psychiatrist dropped me because she was like, you're too high risk. You're not responding to meds. You need to find someone else. And I was like, ouch, excuse you. I I remember you saying that on one of the videos and I was like, yeah, that's so literally said I'm too high risk for her and she can't see me anymore. So I'm like, Fuck you, goodbye. Sorry, I don't know <laughs> if I can swear on here. But. Oh no, you're fine. You, you, you're more than welcome to. I mean, it's pretty much kind of a curse within the in the title itself. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're very very raw here. Yeah, yeah, that's, like the, that. that's part of the brand. <laughs> so you're good. Call Kirsty as much as you want. It's, it's, this podcast is eighteen above. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So she was like, "You're too high risk for me." You got to see someone else. So then my therapist was like, what the hell? We know you are not seeing her anymore. Mm -hmm. And she set me up with my current psychiatrist, who I absolutely love. She's fantastic. She Mm -hmm. listens to me. She knows medications very well. Um, She's just fantastic. And so she was like, I want to keep you on Abilify and Lamictal together and see how those work and that combination has literally changed my life um i'm pretty stabled out some days i'll wake up a little hypomanic where like i'm just cleaning excessively um and just feeling like i can go 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 Mm -hmm. but i'm able to get out of bed in the morning i'm able to like get up and brush my teeth and get ready and go to work um so i'm very thankful for the lamictal abilify combination that i'm on now yeah, that, that's good. I, I'm on. I was on. I'm not on anything right now currently, um, but I was on Lamictal, and I think it was, well, what was the one the other one again? Wellbutrin. Yeah, I love how you are so on point with everything that you're on, and I can't even pronounce half the stuff that I was on. I was like, I, I literally probably have to go into like my Walgreens file and be like, what was I on like two years ago? Like, I'm I'm so bad with that. I, I, it's it's that that's just. You're see you're good that you know everything to the point. Your whole yeah. journey, like I someone. Mean, I mean, I've been on medications for ten years now, yeah. so I'm like, I've done my my fair share of research on them. So, do you see yourself being on medication for the rest of your life? Yes, I do. Um, Whenever I forget to take my meds for literally even two days, Mm -hmm. I really feel it, like severely feel it. Um, It does scare me a little bit that I do know I'm going to be dependent on meds for the rest of my life. Um, But then I also need to remember that I do just have a lot going on right now. Right. Yeah. So maybe that's just helping keep in track and maybe like 10 years down the road, I can try and go off of them. But medication is the number one treatment for bipolar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. So, 
I don't know. I'm I'm okay with being on meds for the rest of my life mm-hmm. because I know the benefits that they have. And yeah. How bad I am without them. So yeah. it wouldn't bother me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know yourself. I asked that question because everyone has like a different opinion about it. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I mean, you're the best person to you know, say yes or no to the month because every everyone's body is different. Mm-hmm. Um, like for me personally, I was on the med. Last time I was on medication for like two years was when I was on like a very I was in a very stressful time in my life, and mm-hmm. I my but my uh, symptoms were flaring all the time, and I was like becoming suicidal, and it was I was to the point where I was like thinking about you know offing myself and i was like okay like i need these meds and the meds saved me yeah so um but then when i i went off it when i quit that job okay i lost my health insurance Mm -hmm. so that's kind of like how i had to go off because you know it's without health insurance it's kind of expensive to be going to psychiatry and medication and stuff so i didn't really wasn't Mm -hmm. in the financial part to be doing that um so and right now i do like more like nat- natural stuff like i feel what helps me a lot is like kava um mm-hmm. and working out and other things and my life's not as my life's stressful but not like like it used to be like yeah. the other job i had i was getting yelled at by guests like every single like back to back screaming at me cursing me out like you know like i was i was yeah. in that kind of job and for someone who struggles with bipolar it's really hard you know yeah um yeah especially if you're very sensitive i'm very sensitive and not good i feel like i feel like pretty much everyone who i'm not gonna say the word everyone i always like to pick and choose my words properly um but most people i feel like we have like very sensitive souls (laughs) yeah yeah it's what's your when's your birthday february 4th i'm an aquarius okay i'm also one of those people i'm like i'm curious to see what your sign is i'm a leo yeah (laughs) I like Leo's. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's see what we're going to be transitioning to. Okay. So on TikTok, you have that this video that has almost 1 million views. And mm-hmm. you talked about uh, where there was things that you thought was normal, but ended up being, wait, what was the exact wording? Um, things I thought were normal, but turns out it's my bipolar disorder. Right. So, um, what you were saying was very uh, specific. Where did you come up with all of those like ideas? Um, so with those, I kind of have a list going in my phone of just things that are kind of that line up with bipolar that I experienced, but that also could be comorbid with like ADHD or borderline personality disorder because I'm in the process of really trying to figure out like because I know I'm bipolar too like there's mm-hmm. there's no ifs ands or buts about that one right um but I was also diagnosed with ADHD and um there's a lot of overlying or overlapping symptoms with bipolar and ADHD but there's also a lot overlapping with autism as well so I'm kind of going through a whole what is my proper diagnosis? So we're trying to figure out if it's ADHD, if I'm autistic, we're, we're going through all that. Um, sorry, that, that would just went on a tangent, but back, back to the ideas of where I got the video. Um, I saw someone else do a similar video. Mm -hmm. So I kind of revamped it, did it my own style. Um, but like one of them was like extreme irritability, mm-hmm. which I experience a lot. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it'll come down to I'll be sitting with my partner and she'll be picking her nails. And it's perfectly fine if I do it. But if I feel or hear her picking her nails or like chewing at her lips when she has like anxiety or anything, I literally will look at her and I'm like, can you stop (laughs) like you are being so annoying as I'm sitting there picking my fingers like picking at my lips like it's so bad you know what's so funny is that I think we're living like the same life because I've done that to like my boyfriend too he'd be out here like eating his nails and stuff and I'll be like can you not like (laughs) it's it's the little things that really just irritate the hell out of me 
Sometimes when he coughs, I'm like, shut up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but another part of the video was that I have euphoric moods at random times. Mm -hmm. Um, so with that, like yesterday, for example, I had a really bad morning. I had to take a lab exam for school. I had a lot of assignments due. I was just feeling super overwhelmed. I couldn't stop crying for a hot minute. I was like down in the dumps. Mm -hmm. Um, it, as soon as I finished all of my assignments, I went like, it was literally like a switch flipped and I was just in a great freaking mood. I felt on top of the world and there literally was no reason for it because I was so stressed. And I've been so stressed for literally the past months since this class started. I have been stressed, crying every day. Um, and then I literally just woke up, was depressed as normal. And then a switch flipped. And I'm fine. <laughs> it does literally feel like a switch. Like yeah. one second, I'm like, oh, life is just whatever. And then those, you know, what you were saying with the whole like euphoric feeling and like feeling over the top of the world. Literally a couple years ago, maybe like 2019, there'll be random moments I'll be working. Right. And all yep. of a sudden I'll just get this rush. And I'm like, I feel great. Like life's amazing. And I felt like I was mm -hmm. like high or something like that. Yeah, and I, I also ex I also experienced th those rushes. Um, like I, so I also struggle with an eating disorder, and so there are some days that, well, most days that I literally can't even look at myself in the mirror because I think I'm overweight. I don't like how I look. I'm uncomfortable in my skin, mm -hmm. and then like other days, randomly. It, like even if I ate a bajillion things that day, I'll look in the mirror and I'm like, oh my god, I'm hot shit. Like no one's better than me. My girlfriend is better than me. Done like, that. I just feel oh like my god. freaking. I feel so just on top of the world, and like literally the world revolves around me, and yeah. <laughs> that's not true at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it's like living like literally. I mean, we're not like living the same life, but we're living the same diagnosis. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> I just feel like all this stuff that would like those like details will always just kind of like keep in our heads. And then the whole like we like I said before, I think be before I started my podcast, that's when it was happening. And like I already knew I had a diagnosis, but I didn't really like I mean, I knew information about it. I also have like a background in psychology and like I went to school for it. I was going to mm -hmm. be a therapist, but then I realized I'm too sensitive. I'll be crying with the patient. Same. So yeah. So this is kind of how I use my degree in a way, right? Um yep. I also so, have my undergrad in psychology, so I got you. Yeah. But I feel like we you know we learned a lot. You know, we learned pretty we I feel like we kind of learned like the overview of it. Like all these mm -hmm. things that we're mentioning, like very detailed, like how you were saying, like, for example, with like looking in the mirror and you're like, oh, I feel like I'm fat today and like this, this and that. But then like one day you're like, oh, I look good. Look at the butt. And like, oh, I feel like that's not something you were reading like a textbook. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so I just feel like that's why I love talking to people like you is because it's like, first of all, I'm like, oh, wow. So I, I definitely every time every time I see these videos and I see people like talking about this and I'm like okay it just keeps like reassuring oh yeah I definitely do have this diagnosis and you know because sometimes I get concerned that because I've seen like multiple psychiatrists and multiple therapists my whole life and mm -hmm. three of them so there's three please there's three two out of the three diagnosed me with, with bipolar one said they didn't think I had it wow yeah they're like oh no we just think you have ADHD and uh depression and anxiety but then the other two diagnosed me and right now I'm seeing another one. The reason I'm going back is because now I'm really wanting to see if I can get an official diagnosis of BPD, because if I do have it, then I can, you know, once you know you have something, then you can do things to help yourself cope because yep. there's sometimes I have these thoughts and these behaviors and I just get so mad at myself, mm -hmm. but I don't like, and so like when I'm seeing on TikTok and like, and I'm like literally seeing what people are saying and i'm like relating so hard to it yeah i'm like okay i feel like i need to go back and i need to get like actual formal diagnosis and i told the psychiatrist i was like okay so i'm here because i'm not gonna have tiktok diagnose me <laughs> she kind of like <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, I mean you can't self-diagnose, but yeah. it just kind of just made me, it basically like pushed me to like go back and to try, you know, I have, I have health insurance now again, but, mm-hmm. but now I'm like still waiting because she said, oh, I can't diagnose you after like one time. Like that's, I'm like, honestly, I, I'm glad that you said that because I'd rather you thoroughly talk to me and do what you got to do. If it takes four sessions, but I, I don't care. Like mm-hmm. I'd rather you be very like quality with your work. than you just be like one time. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're, you're this. And I'm like, yep. Yeah, and I I just sometimes kind of wish I'm like, can someone just take an like a MRI of my brain and just tell me like? <laughs> so I actually had that done. Really? So oh, let's talk about it. Um, I was 16. I was so depressed. I was like convinced that I had to have a tumor somewhere in my brain because there's no way that a normal person would think the way that I think. So mm-hmm. I was convinced that I had some sort of brain tumor, just something insane. Let me see if I can find the pictures of it while I multitask and talk about it. Um, so, oh, here they are, actually. So these, like, this is, is that your brain? My, or, yeah. Your, oh. That's my wow. whole brain. And, like, they did a bunch of different, like, sections and stuff, all the... Science. that is so fascinating yeah this one this one's actually really funny because like, my eyeballs. Your eyeballs oh my god <laughs> but there's no tumor i'm just bipolar. Good. Oh, okay i wonder is there like a way that they can like tell based off of i guess the activity in your brain um yeah there i was reading or we were talking about it in my psych class which i might still have the notes for that um, yeah i graduated in 2017 it's been a bit yeah i just graduated in 2022 yeah um but there it's not an mri it has mm-hmm. to be seen like through an electrogram or whatever it's called uh-huh. um you can see different parts of the brain that are activated in a normal brain versus parts of the brain that are activated and deactivated in a bipolar brain. Mm -hmm. Um, The areas that light up are completely different. And it like, it was really interesting to me. I really want to get one done on my brain. Same. (laughs) Because like, I just, I I mean, I'm assuming the psychiatrist know exactly what they're doing and you know, they're trained and everything, but I'm like, I just like want someone to just take a whole thing of my brain. I just want to like, Mm-hmm. see i don't know the like what what lights up when they i, mean, I think they will have to i mean you have to be of course a, obviously they think obviously awake for it and i think they'll mm-hmm. have to do things to like trigger you yeah like they'll so, have to yeah it would be like a series of like asking questions like what makes you happy what makes you sad and like trying to figure out like what part of the brain is going to light up with your happy yeah. memories versus what's going to Exactly. Light up with your sad memories and that kind of stuff. Whenever, if I ever become rich or whenever I become a manifest it, then I'll go do it because I'm sure like the insurance is going to not going to like, they're going to be like, no, you don't need that, you know? So without yeah. it, it'd be like, oh, it'll be 20 grand. <laughs> Literally. Hey, listener, if you have come this far into the podcast episode, I hope that you are enjoying it. And also, I would love if you guys, if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, if you can leave a review, it helps so much um, in the algorithm to get our podcast pushed to new listeners. And if you're on Spotify, if you can follow us on there, that would be truly amazing and the more you guys share the more that we grow in this podcast and the more we grow the more episodes we can put out for you guys so yes thank you so much for listening and now back to the episode let's talk about um what we can talk about about the autism oh yeah yes because i think usually you started talking about that on your tiktok so i'm fascinated let's chat So the whole me thinking I'm autistic started in 2021, actually. Um, I didn't really know much about autism before, Mm -hmm. but as I was in school, I was working as a behavioral therapist doing um, applied behavioral analysis or ABA therapy for Mm -hmm. kids with autism. Um, So with that, I learned 
so much and I became very fixated on autism. And honestly, I still am very fixated on autism. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was realizing that the quirky things I did as a kid and I still do and as an adult line up with things that people do on the spectrum. And so it was in December of 2021, I created a note in my phone that was like random things about me that make me believe I have autism. Mm -hmm. So like I have really bad sensory issues. Um, I get very overstimulated with sound. I get, and so that's also why I'm like this with the sensory issues bipolar can also have sensory issues like being overstimulated to sound because it can trigger things um being oversensitive to light um needing like i need a lot of pressure and input um so i danced my whole life and that was kind of my way of calming my body and just regulating my system and everything Mm -hmm. um but the more i learned about autism the more I realized how much actually lines up with my life. Mm -hmm. And so like this note in my phone literally just goes on on and on of why I think I'm autistic. (laughs) (laughs) Just send it to your psychiatrist. (laughs) That's exactly what I did. I love that. I finally was reaching my breaking point. My brain was just doing its thing, functioning differently than a normal brain. And I was just getting so frustrated with it. Um, I also needed a lot more input. And so I was like, I'm getting frustrated. So a month ago, I reached out to my psychiatrist, I sent her my list. And I was like, can you please direct me in the direction that I need to go to get like an evaluation? Or can you do it? Like, I'd prefer to do it with you because I'm more comfortable with you. But I know you're more mental health rather than developmental disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was like, no, we can absolutely do one. So I just had that evaluation done two days ago. Um, it took a very long time. And so it was a lot of paperwork. It was a lot of answering questions. I had to send um, some questions to my mom to fill out about my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going back on Wednesday. So in however many days that is. I don't even know what today's Saturday. Yeah. It's four days, four days, five days. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I'm going back and we're going to go over everything. Um, so that's when I'm going to get my answers of if I'm autistic, if it really just is my ADHD and bipolar mm-hmm. um, there, it really is hard to tell because there's so many overlapping symptoms with bipolar and autism. There's so many with ADHD and autism, obviously, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, it's kind of that. Yeah. I've also been like noticing a lot lately on social media that a lot of adults are now getting diagnosed with, um, autism. Mm-hmm. So I like didn't really cause cause, cause you're one of them. And there was more people that were kind of in a similar situation as you who are bipolar. And they're also thinking, hmm, do I have autism? So mm-hmm. I like over all the years that I've been like, you know, studying psychology, doing my mental health brand and always I always just do research and things like that. I've mm-hmm. never heard of like bipolar and like autism, like overlapping. Yeah. Um, so overlapping. There definitely is. So how do I word this right? There is a very high or maybe average comorbidity for um autistic people being diagnosed with borderline or not borderline with bipolar. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, the obvious one, it's also very autism is very comorbid with depression and anxiety because it's hard to fit in social Mm -hmm. situations, meeting new people, the obvious reasons of why they would be comorbid. Another question I have when you were mentioning about like pressure, do you mean like physical Yes. Okay. So, Can I have an example? Um, I will literally, so if I'm by myself, I will literally like take my hands and squeeze up and down my arms. Mm-hmm. I'll hug myself. Mm. But if I'm with someone else, I will literally 
make them give me a hug and I have, it has to be a specific hug. My arms have to be above theirs. Theirs have to be on my back, like literally like this. And they have to squeeze as hard as they can. Oh my God. I always make my boyfriend do that to me. I kind of wonder if that has anything to do with, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I've never like done the squeezing and I guess maybe it just never just went through my head to do that. But Mm -hmm. the, but the, I definitely feel the whole, hug thing like it has to be like a certain way yeah you kind of feel like that kind of like comfort and and release of all like that stress but i like didn't even think at all i'm like learning from you today it's like i didn't even think it would like be rooted to my diagnosis of bipolar 2 so the pressure helps with regulating our internal system and just regulating our body Um, it's very easy for people with bipolar, people with autism, people with ADHD to feel like they're out of their skin or something is just wrong in their body. Mm -hmm. I feel that way a lot. And Mm -hmm. that's when I'll go outside and I'll dance or I'll literally stim in my room and just dance around. And like, I shake my hands like, like literally like this when I'm anxious. Um, Yeah. So that really calms me down a lot. Like when I'm watching a scary movie, literally half of the entire movie, I'm just going like this and I'm like, oh my God. You got me really thinking a lot. Like I'm just like thinking of just like my daily life and I'm like, because there's moments where I kind of feel like a little like, like I need to kind of shake it out Mm -hmm. or something like that. And I'm like, I think in my head, I'm just like thinking like, okay, I just got, I just, or I didn't think of, or maybe I just didn't think anything at all. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like I always do have those random moments and I always feel embarrassed when it's like in front of somebody. Same. Yeah. I, it's just I that's what I love about these these like conversations that I literally like learn something new from from people. But wow. So I mean I don't wait, so the whole pressure and the shaking thing, you so you believe that is rooted to the bipolar two, or do you think it's part of like autism? I mean, I I personally I don't think I'm autistic. Yeah. I just and I- I don't, I don't, I never had any reason to think that. No. So there, I don't know where that roots from, whether it is my bipolar, whether it is if I'm autistic or not. Um, but I did some research and it's very common for people with bipolar disorder to stim. Um, so stimming Mm -hmm. is just kind of moving our bodies in a way, like in a repetitive way. Mm-hmm. Um, you can visual stim, you can, visu- um, you can physically stim, you can stim auditorily. Um, so like an example of visual stimming is uh-huh. watching something spin, um, auditory, you'll listen to something on repeat, which I do that a lot. And then, um, the obvious physical stims of spinning your body, shaking your hands, picking at your nails, twirling your hair. That's all forms of stimming. And every person on this planet stims in some way, shape or form, whether they have a diagnosis or whether they don't. Um, But it's just a way to calm down our bodies and regulate ourselves. And so I do a lot of stimming. I uh, was when you were talking, I was going, I just put it like bipolar stimming. And then the first thing that comes up was people who ask, can bipolar mimic autism? That was like the first thing. So a lot of people are searching. It means it means it looks mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Damn. So I actually got I made a video about it. Honestly, um, I got a comment. Let's see what video it was. So. Someone commented, does anyone else have sensory issues and stims with bipolar? Please tell me I'm not the only one. So that's when I went on to explain my sensory issues that I had. Um, But someone commented, they were like, that's not bipolar. That's autism, bro. Yeah, yeah, I saw that video. Yeah, yeah, so I made a video responding to that one, too. Um, But yeah. Wow. I forgot where I was going with that, but. um, I think you were just kind of just like agreeing with me or something like that. Oh, yeah. But I was like reading on Google how like people, a lot of people are actually like Googling this. So mm-hmm. it seems like oh, a lot of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that encouraged me to do some more research. Um, And 
the results that I found were just astonishing. Like it really, it really does line up. Wow. Like I said, I, I never even thought of that. I knew that like BPD and bipolar can, you know, either you can have both of them or it can be like misdiagnosed and it really had BPD. Like I, I've heard all of that and also ADHD as well. Yep. Um, like I was, I was formally diagnosed with ADHD. I was formerly diagnosed with ADHD because I had depression and bipolar too. And maybe that BPD. We're still figuring that part out. <laughs> I think I told you that part. I think I'm just yeah. repeating myself. That's the one, you know, when I took medication, like I took Lamotrigine, right? Yeah. When I was first on it, I was like realizing, oh my gosh, I feel like I can actually like talk without being like da-da-da-da-da. Because I mean, I'm sure you notice, maybe, maybe you do notice that I do talk really fast. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> Same though. And, yeah. And it stinks. And, you know, it just really stinks when you're like growing up and before the diagnosis. Have you ever had people like telling you like, oh, you got to slow down. You got to stop talking too fast. And like constantly. You know, and it's so hurtful, too, because it makes me it, well, not makes me makes us feel like ashamed of ourselves, you know? Yeah. So whenever someone tells me to like slow down, take a deep breath. Like mm -hmm. you're going to get your point across without speaking a mile a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, that does kind of, like, it's not offensive, but it's mm -hmm. also like, it's like, it is offensive because like, yeah. I can't control how fast I'm talking. It's hard because there is so much going on in my brain constantly. Like right, right. now I'm having this conversation, but I'm also playing songs in my head. Like I cannot get drunk dial out of my head by Noah Khan. Like that's just <laughs> on repeat in my head right now. But I'm also having this conversation and doing this. So it the brain is just crazy. Yeah, no, I feel you. I mean, I I mean I've lately I've been really better because sometimes I would like when I'm having conversation during these like podcasts, like sometimes I would like dissociate and mm -hmm. I like feel really bad and I'm like wait what did you say and I'm like I don't want to be like a shitty like podcast host like that's not my intention but I mean everyone that I interview they get mm -hmm. it so it's not like yeah. they don't they don't feel insulted if I do have them repeat themselves lately mm -hmm. I haven't been having them do that and honestly to be completely honest with you I really think it's because of this drink that I'm drinking I've, yeah. every time I do a podcast I drink this kava and the one that I want the particular one that I'm drinking has to do with energy and focus so I think I have a little bit of a boost in my brain right now. So I know yep. that ever since I started doing that, I don't, I don't have to always be like, "Hey, can you repeat yourself?" Like, mm -hmm. you know, that's awesome. I, yeah, I'm telling you. I, have you ever heard of it? No. Yeah, I'm definitely. I'm gonna yeah. look it up after. It's no, definitely. It's actually um from like Hawaii, like rooted from Hawaii, and it's been around for like centuries and centuries, but it hasn't it. It, it hasn't it, it's essentially it's plant medicine mm -hmm. um it doesn't get you high it, or anything like that obviously you can clearly tell i'm not like high or anything like that but yeah. it definitely does change it definitely changes my mood so i think it's amazing in my opinion i think it's awesome for people who have bipolar because you know when we struggle with our moods mm -hmm. i really feel like it helps us really boost it you know yeah. i i mean i like drink coffee like all the time like i've been like a caffeine addict since i was 16 years old mm -hmm. but i feel like it doesn't unless i'm like having like three shots of espresso it doesn't really do what i wanted to do like with yep. the focus part but lately kava has been really good for me and it's um it's a lot of people who drink it are also like ex like like um not excess on the right word um recovering alcoholics oh Yes. So this particular brand, Kava Culture, their branding is like Kava. It's, it's like uh, better than booze. Mm -hmm. So um, it's basically like the reason I know about it is that my boyfriend works for the company and he started working for them and he brews it. Um, so and it's like a tap room where instead of they sell instead of like at a bar selling alcohol, you're having Kava and like mixed drinks and stuff. And it's mm -hmm. not alcohol. And it's and it's great. It's really good to like be social. It helps to boost your social. Also, there's certain ones that will help like muscle pain and like also help calm your nervous system. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's great. I um, I was in New York recently, New York City recently, about a couple of weeks ago, and I went to a Kava lounge, but like, to be honest, it really wasn't that good. <laughs> 
um so yeah yeah, but no i mean if you were to try it i literally would probably tell you i could really only trust this brand that i'm drinking right now i don't so let's talk about one more thing so you talked about how you are in school right now and the number one stressor for bipolar is stress yeah (laughs) so um tell us what you do i (laughs) officially started school a month ago um and let me tell you the amount of stress that one single class like i am taking one one class the first half of the summer and then the second part of the class the second half of the summer so it's anatomy and physiology one of the hardest classes in undergraduate so this is actually a prereq to my doctorate program um but ever since starting it i have literally been so overwhelmed that it has kind of put me in a depressive state and in a depressive episode because i'm just constantly worried and stressed and it really has triggered me and put a damper on me um, to the point that, like, my final is on Tuesday and I have no motivation at all whatsoever. Like, I had an assignment due yesterday at midnight that I still have not even started. But luckily, there's no penalty for late work. So mm-hmm. I'm going to get it done today. But the just the stress of, like, having deadlines and just having this weight on my shoulders. And, like, I had to quit my job to pursue school. Um, So there's also a financial stress in my life now. So I'm – there is just so much stress. And so I'm, like, there's no way I can go off my medications. I can't miss Mm. a single day because then it really offsets me. Um. So, yeah, I definitely am one to be affected by stress and having it trigger my bipolar. Do you do anything like workout or meditate or journal or just anything you do to like cope on the side with like uh, medication in order to kind of like, I guess best way of saying it, kind of like keep it together, like yes. keeping your life together. Like, do you have any certain coping mechanisms you like to share? Um, number one, go to therapy. My therapist is literally my very best friend. I adore her more than anything. Um, She literally knows me better than I know myself. Um, So that is my number one. She has given me so many techniques, um, so many strategies, just everything that I can possibly need. And Mm -hmm. she just continues to keep giving me this support. Um, But one of the biggest things that I want to say is journal whether it's about your day whether it's like a really deep in internal like I'm digging into my childhood journaling Mm -hmm. um journaling is what keeps me active and just like in tune with my body because like I will sometimes have things that are stressing me out in my life that I don't really know what it is until I get it out on paper. And I'm like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm stressed for this reason. Um, so yeah, giving me that visual of writing it down is definitely one of the biggest coping mechanisms that I have. Um, and then there's also something that my therapist taught me is, when we have intrusive thoughts and when we have these negative thoughts that we don't want to think about, we have to think about them as waves. So the thought it'll come on in, we'll watch the wave. We'll sit with the feeling. We'll sit with that thought. And then we just let it pass. We don't fixate on it. Um, (laughs) That one definitely does take some time to learn and master. I'm still learning it um, because I am a big hyper fixator on things. but doing the thinking about your thoughts as a wave and just letting them come and pass is something that has really helped with my bipolar and my intrusive thoughts. Yeah, I actually had a similar advice from a therapist that I had back in 2017. It was more focused on anxiety. So mm-hmm. it was like when you get your anxiety, he was like, just let it take its course. Don't fight yep. it. Like it's natural. Your body's just doing its thing. Like, don't mm-hmm. even think much of it. Like, if you feel it, just be like, hi. And just, and then eventually it's going to leave. It's going to yep. make its way. Like, it's kind of like it starts in the brain. It just goes out. Yep. And that was such a really, that piece of advice really stuck with me because 
you and I, like, we struggle with literally constant anxiety and it's like so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you kind of just have to just have the acceptance that it's, it's there instead of just like constantly like fighting and getting angry that it's there. Exactly. And I do want to say it is okay to sit in your uncomfortable mm-hmm. feelings and your uncomfortable thoughts. If you're like, my therapist literally just told me that yesterday because I was having a rough day. Um, I have some things going on in my life that I'm trying to decide if they're healthy for me, if they're not healthy for me. Um, so I was really talking with my therapist and she's like, don't make any decisions today. You don't need to be impulsive today. You're allowed to sit with those uncomfortable feelings. You're allowed to sit with those uncomfortable thoughts Mm -hmm. and just process them, really figure out what you want to do. And that really helped a lot. No, that's smart. There's sometimes where I feel like I'm going to like me making like impulse decisions. And I'm like, I always got to like, wait, a co- I don't think I had someone give me that advice. But I think to myself, I was like, I got to wait like three days or four days if I still feel like that. Then, okay, yeah. then maybe it's like a right decision. Because that's like, it's really hard when you're just like, you can't tell if you're like hypomanic, or if you're just experiencing like normal, like confidence, or like, are you ready to take the next step to something or whatever? Yeah. So I do want to jump on that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So I went through about a two to three month long hypomanic episode. Um, this was my second really big one. In this time period, I attempted to buy a house. Mm-hmm. I moved out of my house and I bought an apartment by myself. I got a dog. Uh-huh. Um, I was just making all of these huge life decisions that I could not afford. I was not mentally ready for. I literally lasted in an apartment by myself with a dog for one month. And then I broke the lease and I moved back in with my aunt. Would say you bought a house and then bought an apartment? Did I hear uh, So I tried to buy a house. Oh, you tried? So- okay. I thought you said you bought a house and then you bought an apartment. I was like, dang, girl. <laughs> no. So I tried to buy a house. I put an offer in on a house and okay. then I didn't get the house. And I was like, what are you doing? You do not have money to buy a house. You're 23 <laughs> years old by yourself. You cannot buy a house. Um, Unless you had a so- really good job. But I don't know. Yeah. Okay, Oral sorry. of the story of, of this one is that there's now a rule with me and my aunt that if I have a thought that I want to make a decision to do something drastic, I have to think about it for a week. I have to tell someone because I also was so impulsive that I did not tell anyone what I was doing. No one knew I was buying a house. No one knew I applied for a mortgage. Like nobody knew anything. Wow. Yeah. One, t- one time I bought a piano. Well, it was like a keyboard piano, but either way, I was just like randomly on Amazon. I was like, I want to buy, I want to buy a piano. And I just like, I think I like used it for like a week and then like, it just kind of just went to waste. So I had impulsive to like purchases and stuff. But at the time I didn't know really, I wasn't even in college yet. Yeah, same. So I had like no idea. Before I was diagnosed with bipolar, I bought a car. Like I had a perfectly fine car. Mm -hmm. Um, it had some things wrong with it. Like it was a 2011, um, or 2009. It was one of the, one of those years. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it just was a little car. There wasn't really a lot of miles on it. It could have lasted me another four or five years, Mm -hmm. but I'm like, I want a new car. I'm going to buy a new car. So I did. I'm literally like that too. I mean, right now I can't, but I'm still paying off my current car, but I have like this urge for like, I want another one or something, or I need Same. to buy this or I need to buy that. And I'm like, and, it, and, it's just, and they come in waves. Like one day I'll be yeah. like, oh no, I gotta be, you know, and I'm pretty fine. I'm pretty financially responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, but back before, like when I was like younger, like 18, 19, I was like spending a lot of money on credit cards and I was in a lot of credit debt, but so now I'm just like, okay, like I, I'm like, no, my brain's not going to go down that route again. I'm like, and I got myself out of credit card debt. I'm there good now. Go. The only debt I have right now is my car. But like, so I'm good with that. And I'm saying for a house with my boyfriend. Um, So I was going to like, not like look at the house. I'm like, oh, half a million. Like, look, look, yeah. look, like, what can I really afford? You know what I mean? So I kind of mm-hmm. have those moments. And I think that I have more money than I really do. Same. Um. And I think that's kind of the feeling where I'm like thinking I'm like, oh, I'm rich because like, but then again, it's like with my business, like some months I can be rich and some months I can be poor. So it's like, 
it doesn't really help the whole bipolar thing when your business is up, up and down and also your brain's up and down. Yep. <laughs> but anyway. Um, definitely get that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, so let's um, wrap up here. And I always like to ask a uh, last piece of advice you would like to provide my audience. So essentially the person who will probably click on here is someone who is experiencing a bipolar 2 who is on maybe contemplating going on medication. Um, so what would you say to that person? Um, so if you're bipolar 2 and you're thinking about starting medications, it can be really scary. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to lie. It can be really scary. But once you find the right medication combination, your life will change. My life changed drastically. Um, I've only been on the Abilify and Lamictal combination for about like four or five months. And when I was first starting it off, I was really nervous because like I had been on the medications before. They didn't turn out well. Um, and so it is going to be a lengthy process of figuring out what works for you. But once you do find out what works for you, life just makes so much more sense. That's beautiful. <laughs> thank you so much for the advice and thank you so much for being on my podcast i really love that you took the time and replied to me pretty fast and was like yes i was like yay i didn't know she would actually want to like be on the podcast but i i love it that fact that like you were probably pretty like fast and i was like oh, okay cool yeah no i was so happy that you reached out and like asked me to be on the podcast I told like all my friends, I'm like, oh my God, I get to share my story. Yeah. And so that's really just what I want to do. I want to share my story with as many people as I can. I want to help as many people as I can. And I just want people to know that no one's ever alone. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to this episode and stay tuned for next week's episode.